Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the New Statesman podcast. Emily Thornbury, El Gatto, Theresa May, Jeremy Corbyn, Jeremy Paxman, Philip Hammond. What do these people all have in common? Well, they're among the winners and losers in our campaign retrospective, election eve, whatever you want to call it, super special podcast. Um, and also, you'll be able to hear what we think of Nick Timothy and Fiona Hill, who we think is having the best Labour leadership race, as it were, and what we think will happen on election night and all the rest from the NST. The election is nearly over, Stephen, and I, for one, could not be happier. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I am also um, looking forward to the end. It's just felt like a pretty grim slog, even though it was technically a short campaign. Let's look at it through um, a prism that we sometimes use, which is winners and losers. And I guess take it in turn to nominate somebody as a winner or loser. Give me your first nomination as a winner or loser of the campaign. I think the first winner, obviously, I think basically regardless of the results, has to be Jeremy Corbyn. Jez, we can. There's a phrase I keep wanting to find a better alternative to than why I keep using, which is Labour's professional class. I, you know, I don't mean that, but you know, kind of basically everyone who works for the Labour Party or movement in some description were basically unified at the start of this campaign that they were going to get crushed. And then the and you then, had a lot of talk about Labour's flaw. What's Labour's flaw, yeah. which you don't kind of hear so much anymore? And they they all had this sense of. Basically, they had like, we have to get the best defeat possible. And depending on who you were, that meant different things, right? If you were a trade union political officer, that meant protecting as many MPs who had done good things to represent their local shop workers or their local, you know, like people who'd been friends of, of, of you know, of, of, of the, your, the movement, as it were. Um, if you were a factional operative, it meant saving as many of your people as possible. If you were one of the candidates who is actually touring the country running for the leadership, <coughs> Yvette and Chaka, uh, then it meant visiting as many people who ultimately did make it back because there's no use in gratitude if that person's not available to nominate you. Um, and if you were Jeremy Corbyn, it meant doing well enough to keep the idea of doing a, a repeat of Kinnock and getting a second crack, hopefully getting to, to get some of your changes through. And he has, 
undoubtedly, basically, I think, regardless of, of, of the result, and I imagine we'll get into predictions at the very end of the, the podcast. Oh, yeah, you've been fine to do predictions on all the other podcasts that you've been seeing on the side of the New Statesman podcast. But this is my best pod prediction. <laughs> Uh, um, but anyway, we'll we'll get into the uh, the predict the kind of prediction at the end of it. But I think regardless of the of the result, it's very clear to me. You know, the sensible people in the parliamentary party have basically gone. Look, challenging him would be a, a catastrophic mistake. There's a lot of pressure being put on the two leadership candidates to you know not do anything stupid like the other two people who've done a lot of um showing and meeting greeting going to other people's constituencies are angela rayner and john ashworth right yeah do you think that they are also maneuvering or are they just putting their shoulder to the wheel and being helpful i think angela is maneuvering i don't i don't think um john ashworth is i think partly that i mean the slight Difficulty, I think, for a lot of people like John Ashworth, who I think is a very compelling and quite powerful cat. In, you know, I think he, Emily Thornberry, are, are people who are, are very well placed if there is a, a leadership election to go, I was loyal, we need to have some kind of change, but mm. I, I will be a guarantor of the things about this project. Yeah, I'm, not the can- I'm not the Blairite counter-revolution, yeah. but I'm um, slightly different. But the difficulty for, um, for the difficulty in all, all of these things is, the thing people forget is that there are some people who were you, you you've got to have a path to the ballot right and while Yvette is in the game John Ashworth it's just like they where got is, too many of the same yeah, people where, where is he getting yeah. his, his nominations from um whereas Angela Rayner I think is is and Emily Thornberry are well placed if if they if if a group which goes okay we we need to have someone who can unify the whole of the party the whole breadth Angela Rayner, I think, has done a good job presenting herself as one of the options in that slot. If something happens to Tom Watson, if he doesn't make it back, um, on, I think on it's Thursday, very worrying. That actually, the two people who've been most, uh, you know, obviously thinking about and feeling their way around this are two people who ran, even if only for a very short time. In Chukramuna's case, last time, right? That's not. I don't. That that gives me the that gives me the heebs. I just feel like that's kind of, you know, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different answer. That's what slightly worries me about that. I think it sort of depends how similar the campaigns they run are. And I think I I kind of... I, I, so that's how I don't get pulled into talking to the, about the Labour leadership and then I remember that I picked as my first winner someone who I will say well one of the reasons why he's won is he's seen off an immediate attempt uh, uh, to get rid of him. We but can go I've, back to your thing, can't you, which said that if Jeremy Corbyn goes, I mean, this is always your thing in yeah. your predictions, you know, it will be at a time of his choosing. And I think that's definitely what's true at the end of this, at the end of his campaign, right? Yeah. Um, you know, members, I know there aren't, after having seen a sort of drought of people um, who were very Corbynite in, you know, on Twitter and, and, and on Facebook, there are now people who are re-enthused I think by his strong performances are in interviews and the rallies and things like that. You know that has buoyed him up again. Yeah, and I think the group in both the parliamentary party and the membership that I think will be most empowered by the result are people who think that whether because of his history, because he's old, because he's not in the right place on security, then basically think that you can you can have elect you can have electable Corbynism. You cannot have electable Corbyn. I think that group of people are the people who've had the best campaign. And obviously from the point of the overall Corbyn project, that again is another reason why he has to be counted as a winner. I think I might be in that group of people, actually. I think that it's been really interesting to see. If you take out all the things that... Think about what the attack 
you know, the attacks have been, yeah, there have been some of them that's just a straightforward who do you want to negotiate Brexit thing. But, you know, lots of things relating to comments from the 80s, you know, and Dianabit also got attacked for comments from the 80s. The successor is unlikely to have that baggage. So I think actually the platform and the style of politics has had a greater appeal possibly than uh, we might have thought. And if you if you take away the things that are Corbyn-specific, then actually that's, that is quite an kind of encouraging sign. I think Peter Wilby's written this in the magazine, you know, about the fact that there won't be such a terror of a kind of overtly left-wing manifesto, or at least things like nationalisation of rail and energy, which are completely mainstream centre-left things in Europe, but in Britain are kind of considered to be just near adjacent to communism. Well, I mean, I kind of think I'm, I'm always a bit dubious about the, oh, the, the policies are popular. Or, oh, I know, I we just all don't... did it with, with Dead Miliband as well, yeah. and we went, actually, it turns out his all his policies are really popular, and, it's, and then it was, it was all for nothing. I mean, I just don't actually think, yeah, and the interesting thing is, although the manifesto as a kind of package of messages, did uh, did sort of burst labor out. Actually, when you ask people what policies they remember, mostly the policies people have noticed have been ones they didn't like from the Tory manifesto. Some people, and obviously they're mostly demographic, do benefit from the tuition fees uh, abolition, have noticed it. But actually the message people have taken from the Labour manifesto is Labour are a group of nice people who will give you a nice thing. And... And actually, that's kind of the thing about the, oh, the policies this, the policies that, is actually your policy story is a lot more important in terms of getting elected. So my instinct is actually is that if they do, as and again, to not get into British, if, if they do lose the election, the, the kind of the question will be what, what are the things they need to add to the sort of policy mix? Um, and I think they do need to add rigour. And I think whatever yeah. you think about the reasons, and I, I fully believe that the reaction to Diana Abbott has been, uh, accelerated. Uh, she's been held to higher standards because she's a black woman. The fact is still that Labour do face an extra level of scrutiny about detail and about economics. You know, the Tories had an uncosted manifesto and Labour have been using this good line about, you know, the only numbers in there were the page numbers. But nonetheless, that's kind of, they've just, they have that, that those that blow has not landed on them in the way that it, that it has on Labour. Still, that is a, a big Achilles heel for Labour. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been a lot of of bad reporting of focus groups in this election because obviously they are I'm all, I always get my quantitative and my qualitative uh, mixed up but obviously you know they 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 you they're hard to draw general patterns of voting behavior yeah they're qualitative they give Qualit- you how people feel about stuff and impressions they but, can't help you say they'll get x and receipts yeah but I think the really useful thing is yeah is that telling telling us how people feel about things and what's striking across all of the focus groups particularly the Britain thinks ones which are the ones I've I've seen seen the most most of is that the, the yeah, things didn't hit home were the stuff which confirmed people's fears and opinions about the the party. The thing about the reason why the police numbers uh, interview is the one they really remember, and actually people have kind of forgotten Diane Abbott's other less good interviews, is because it hit a lot of the things people think about Labour. It was something they agree with, more police on the numbers, but they didn't seem to know how, what the numbers were and they seemed a bit incompetent. That yeah, is nice but ineffectual. That is basically Labour's 2007 po- yeah, kind of post-financial crisis problem that, uh, that the party hasn't really shaken off. And the thing people remembered most from the Tory campaign was fox hunting. Why? Because the Tories are posh and cruel. And those, those are the things that people have um, absorbed. And then, of course, there is exactly, as you say, the added thing that she doesn't have that shield of looking like default man so she's particularly vulnerable. Um, and that is, I think, one of the reasons why people react badly to her in focus groups and one of the reasons why there's been this kind of badger baiting of her among bits of the press. And also purely because she's memorable, right? Yeah. She's literally the only black woman that you see on the TV news most nights. Yeah. Whereas generic, you know, 
How many voters really could tell the difference between Chris Grayling, Daniel Hannan and Ian Duncan Smith? Well, this comes down to my favourite fact about focus groups, which is most focus groups think every woman Labour politician is Harriet Harman. So you, like, show them a picture of, like... And including this, you're, you're like... you And it, this weird thing where you'll kind of... Obviously, when someone knows they must be giving the wrong answer, so you show them a picture of Yvette Cooper and someone says very confidently, oh, that's Harriet Harman. Then you show a picture of uh, Margaret Hodge and you can feel this silence. They're like, well, that can't also be Harriet Harman. <laughs> but then you kind of feel like, cut your losses, say Harriet Harman for all of them at that point, one of them will be. In the defence of those people, there are a lot of quite similar hairstyle and manner type Labour politicians from that era. You know, I put kind of Tessa Jow, Patricia Hewitt, uh, Ruth Hunt um, and Harriet. In, in, You know what I mean? In that sort of... But I think the thing is, Harriet... And- slightly head girlish kind of, and a very severe bob that says, I mean business. I mean, but that, that is why they all kind of look like uh, Harriet. But yes, yeah, sorry, Iris, who's your first winner? In <laughs> Nine hours later, we get to the next one. Well, should we do um, uh, an obvious one that is the kind of counterpoint to that, and which is an ironic loser, which is Theresa May. <laughs> because she called That was meant to be a sad trombone. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a bit work. like a duck being stepped yeah. on. Um the kind of fascinating thing about this is, you know, she called an election to enhance her authority, <laughs> and and I and and I, I think whatever the result is, she has purchased herself only a small amount of, of breathing room before oh, it the. Couldn't have happened to a nicer person, could it? There's a great line in Marina Hyde's thing about the kind of the big Tory fishes slip silently through the night water, you know, quoting the beginning of Jaws, and that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about her. And I think one of the things, people, I would also bracket in the loser. Um, bracket is her two closest advisors, uh, Nick Timothy and Fiona Hill, because whatever you say about the campaign that they've run, they have become names that people know. And for an advisor, that's that's always a, you are then at a, a kind of vulnerable time. I mean, it happened with Steve Hilton, right? It kind of happened a bit with Ed Llewellyn. Even you become the locus of people who want to be angry with the king but can't express, you know, tra- treachery. So yeah. it's all it's all attributed to you. Yeah, I think let's 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 stop and talk about how bad the Tory campaign's been because because <laughs> it's fun and it's and, such fun. Um, but it's also reassuring, right? Because I do feel that this is a party that is beatable. Like this is a reassuring thing for the left that there. This is this is not some incredible monolith which, is, with its much greater money, is just completely unassailable. There are some pretty big chinks in that wall. You could put a um, a, a mallet into. No, what is the thing that you hit with a mallet? Why am I asking you about carpentry? I don't know. But yeah, anyway. I don't know. I don't do the DIY in our house. <laughs> but also, I think, don't you hit things with a mallet? You hit the, the chisel with the mallet. There we go. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I think... I do a lot of stonemasonry on the weekends, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, I think... So I think there are so there are lots of reasons why um, why Theresa May has had a, a bad campaign. Um, and yeah, I think the debate that I imagine, again, not to get too close to predicting the results till the end, but um, I imagine will will form part of the conversation afterwards is basically could another well-known brand have defeated uh, Theresa May? Ah, well, okay, I'm gonna, I'll bring in the You Ask Us, let's wrap it seamlessly into this, because at Lurid Mandy, uh, I don't think a reference sadly to Peter Mandelson, um, said, you know, actually would another more conventional leader have struggled against strong and stable Theresa May? And I do think there is an interesting thing about the fact that they, I think they in some ways struggled because they had their playbook um the Tories against Jeremy Corbyn laid out from the start right they knew what they were going to say about him you know he's weak on defense he's like well mates with Jerry Adams um but actually they have really struggled to deal with the fact that he has got a kind of a strange kind of charisma right a very homely folksy I think Julia once called him Woodcraft dad right you know he just makes me think of 
you know, badgers and foxes and the animals and farthing wood. And that's quite an appealing brand versus Theresa May. He's so kind of Yvette person. Cooper would have had a difficulty because they couldn't have they couldn't have said Theresa May is a bit dull when Yvette Cooper is not known for her sparkling repartee. Yeah, I, I think Julia is exactly right. Jeremy always reminds me of, partly because I grew up in that part of the world, so he basically is the kind of dad who comes down when you get back to someone's house from a house party and offers everyone a toke, right? <laughs> so you just, you, just, you just feel very reassured by him. Uh, but he also seems tangible, right, in that way than, 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 than Ed did seem a little bit like he was made of plastic. Um, but I think I kind of... He's so that dad. I hadn't really thought about that yeah, before, but, but you that's can, hilarious. You can imagine it's everyone like, gets a bit nervous. Like, oh, God, the dad's come down. He's like, no, everyone. Yeah, like, just... Guys, is that weed you're smoking? Oh, it's so much stronger than it used to be in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. Although, as we found out from his Unilad interview, he doesn't even drink. He recommends coconut water or apple juice for hydration. Yeah. Um, but um, so I, I kind of... I kind of feel the same way about the you know, this meme, which is mainly the kind of Yvette would have won uh, than I do about Bernie would have won, right? In both their cases, why why is Yvette Cooper not leader of the Labour Party? Uh, for two reasons. One, because some of her allies thought it would be a good idea to put Jeremy Corbyn on the ballot, which oh, turned, oh, turned out oh. to be a One comic. Of the worst like, bits of banter. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it did successfully hurt Andy Burnham, to be fair. Uh, but Although Andy Burnham, you know, really has had the last laugh. Yeah. Um, but so I think one, but yeah, and, and the problem with both of them, right, is in order to win the Labour leadership election, and this will remain true forever, you, you need to have a message that appeals to small L liberals, mainly working in or around the public and creative sector, you know, kind of 30 to 50, socially concerned, um, you know, kind of lots of people first in their generation to go to university or first to have a white-collar job, depending on how old they are in the party. And that is the electorate. And ditto, if you want to become the Democratic candidate, you do have to have a message that is able to win over a vast majority of African-Americans of all ages. And if you spend the whole of your campaign going, I'm surging, I'm surging, and you're like, yeah, sure you are, apart from this really important group, and then you lose and you turn around and go... The Democratic Party stitched it up. Um I nominate a loser, Jeremy Paxman. Had a shockers, two shockers of interviews. Seemed like a Jeremy Paxman tribute act, um, and kind of revealed that style of interviewing just felt quite elderly. It just felt a bit outdated now. Um, uh, winner, I think, whoever put Corbyn in, in the suits that he's been wearing. I did really notice this. So I did a, a twelve-minute film about. Um about Jeremy and you do really notice uh, how much sharper he looks now yeah, he does it really does, nice does, does look well impressive and, and, and prime yeah, ministerial and all of that done the beard he's probably got beard oil this is something I've been learning about because my husband's grown a beard apparently there is such a thing as, as beard oil it's really I quite like it and both my mum and his mum also really like it so I think it's I think it's here to stay um Losers, Boris Johnson, who has looked either uneasy or slightly thuggish when he was sort of wrestling Andrew Gwynn on telly. So my theory with Boris, sorry to continue to sing of delaying every single one of these winners and losers, yeah. is um, the thing is, right, if you, you know, I'm not saying that people admire their friends who sleep with other people and get around and a bit, but if you do that in your 20s and 30s, it's like, oh, you know, he's a wild man. And he's, he's kind of become like that person who's still sleeping on your couch in their 30s. And there's just something, you know, it's like oddly, and, he's, and somehow his increasing width does mean he feels less like a joker and more like a thug. Yeah, um, I also just, I described in a magazine this week as, as seeming a bit like the kind of rocker who wobbles on stage when they're a bit out of shape because they need to pay for their divorce. Yeah. He had that kind of vibe. Winner, El Gato. 
Jeremy Corbyn's cat, who has become the kind of... Theresa May's got kitten heels and Jeremy Corbyn's got a literal actual cat that has become his relatable thing that he can talk about in, in interviews and people be like, oh, well, how will Elgato get on with Larry and Palmerston? And he can do some chuckling about, like... And, and again, very, very Woodcraft dad. Uh, who else? Uh, loser Philip Hammond, who's been kept in a box. I disagree. I think Philip Hammond is. Or do you think he's just sat this one out? The <laughs> massive winner of this election, right? One, because, like, the thing a lot of Tory MPs say, and actually, in my view, uh, rightly, is if they had had a positive right wing offer, you know, a tax cut, bring back mortgage tax relief, you know, let's just give you know, young, young, upwardly mobile couples more money because they deserve it, you know, some kind of classic Tory, Tory goody. Um, they would they would not have created the space for because I think I think the space for what for the space for Corbyn right and huh. because people had to be have to be turned off something in order to look around the shop right you if you walk into a restaurant and you like it or you walk into a shop and they've got like the milk you want you don't go oh. I'll go next door to see if it's there, right? Well, so say what you like about Corbyn and his, like, the big surprise to me about the campaign is actually, you know, he's put in a kind of classic new Labour thing, which is a big middle-class bung in the shape of tuition fees. And actually he had, although they've, he's withered and wothered, it wasn't in the manifesto to unfreeze um, benefits uprating. Yes, no. I was talking about that. So actually when you look at the distribution graphs, the Lib Dem platform is much more progressive than Labour's in terms of, of how the different deciles will be affected by mm. And um, he's really changes. he's triangulated really effectively on the like adding the police into the austerity uh, stuff. Um, yeah, uh, yeah he, no, he has been he has been much more flexible than I think people who, who seem as a very dogmatic leftist would perhaps have expected. Emily Thornbury I think has been a winner, solid Thorbs. She'll go out there, she does the, does the job. The policy might be mad, but she will just hit the straight bat. She'll keep chipping it into the crease. I don't know. And that might she's, be. A... She's just clearly living her best life. Yeah, that bit which is, oh, but Michael, what about your sort of Syria thing? She's just clearly having a great time. And also, I mean, she has ballot issues in terms of how she gets onto the ballot. But I think if there is a leadership election at any point in the foreseeable future and Emily Thornbury is able to make it onto the ballot, which is her big if, I think she will will comfortably beat. I think she's got the same Abbott issues, though, which is a lot of people just don't like her. They find her a bit higher since UK. Yeah, but not in the Labour Party. Yeah, so, but I think I think in a general election campaign, that would be pretty brutal. Uh, Angela Rayner, I think, has had a good campaign. She's emerged as sort of um, a much more, well, a more eloquent, less punchy Prescott. You know, she has become the guarantor of kind of authentic Labour values in the sense of, you know, I left school, Labour did this for me. They, you know, I've, I, you know, I'm not come through university PPE degree and SPAD, right? That, that, that yeah, and strange. she kind of seems non-factional and she's kind of, I mean, to be honest, she's, she's sort of doing, I think, what people hoped Dan Jarvis would do, but she has something about her. Yeah, uh, and Barry Gardner, who is, again, just living his best life. He's also got such a soothing voice. I, I, Any time, anywhere, he will turn up and just chuckle. Kind during of the local elections, happily. he was doing the kind of spin, and I was thinking, I, I can't have your soothing radio voice at four a.m. when I'm trying to do a live blog, Barry. I actually had to like start pinching myself whenever he came on because he's so, you know, he's just so calm and soothing. I always and- think of um, you know, the family Ness and Angus, the you know, the whatever it was with this, his thistle whistle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there we go. That is the winners and losers of the uh, campaign so far. Join us again on Friday where we will have a special bleary-eyed, you know, results-drunk version uh, of Ooh, the podcast. Oh, we didn't do a, do a prediction. What's yours? Uh, Tory majority of 50 is what I started the campaign with, so I'm going to stay with that on the basis that then at least I will have only been wrong in one way rather than a variety of different ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I too am basically going to double down on my campaigns don't matter theory. They've The exciting thing is I will know for certain if that's wrong at the end of this campaign. So I think it will look like whatever the last poll before 
the 17th really of April, except thing... the Lib Dem vote will have collapsed to the Labour's benefit and UKIP will have collapsed to the Tories' benefit. There'll be some churn under that. You know, some Lib Dems will have gone Tory, but, you know, that'll be it. The Who's Best PM ratings are currently at 45% for May and 32% for Corbyn, which I think is a really interesting sub-thing. What everybody I talk to says is that actually looking at those headline poll figures is not great because there is a completely different picture in Midlands and north of, north of England marginals, and that's really where the election is won or lost. 